Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. This week starts the fun drive for WRIR-FM, Richmond's independent radio. Whether you listen to this show as a podcast or on the station, WRIR has been a dynamic force for local and nationally created programming in Richmond for 18 years. So please consider a donation. I'll have a link on the webpage for this show. The Taliban has swept through the Afghanistan capital of Kabul. There are chaotic scenes as U.S. troops at Kabul's airport strive to evacuate Americans as well as Afghan civilians. That was a clip from Anahita, A Mother's Journey, a documentary about a woman who fled Afghanistan in August of 2021 with her five children. It features an interview as she explains her plight, then follows her as she creates a new life in the United States. Director Martin Montgomery and Bell Towers film producer David Powers will join me to talk about this compelling documentary. Sifter Review of the Week Beef on Netflix Stephen Yoon plays a struggling contractor who gets into a road rage incident with Ali Wong's upscale entrepreneur. During the 10-episode series, their grudge escalates in gripping ways. The first few eps establish their reputation and relationships, but as the conflicts intensify, so does the drama. Both Yoon and Wong are great, and creator Lee Sung Jin has given them compelling characters that they can create with depth and despair. As a matter of fact, all the performances excel and the interactions continually shift, echoing the plot's continuing modifications. The series may start a bit slow, but once it kicks in, there are shocks and surprises to make it a riveting ride. I gave Beef four and a half out of five stars. First of all, let's just tell everybody else who y'all are. I know that uh, Dave's thing is Bell Tower Pictures, and what is that, and how did you get involved in Anahita? Bell Tower Pictures is a... uh non-profit film production company headquartered here in Richmond just celebrated our 10th anniversary wow. and uh we have done three films and uh I will be retiring as president of Bell Tower Pictures at the end of April and Craig Martin my longtime friend will be taking over as a new president Alahita we I got the idea uh by learning a little bit about the uh Afghan refugees that are resettling here in central Virginia, talking with my friend Kate Ayers, who is the uh, executive director, CEO of Reestablish Richmond, which is a nonprofit that works in serving and helping the transition of uh, refugees into life in the United States and in central Virginia in particular. And uh, listening to her talk about uh, some of the, the refugees that are resettling here and their history the challenges they face, I said to myself, there's got to be some stories in that. Through introductions and, and meetings, we found a young man by the name of Jawad Wabzada, who is himself an Afghan refugee, although he's been in the United States for a number of years. He had been serving as a translator for recently arrived Afghan refugees in um, New Jersey at Fort Dix. And while he was there, he met Anahita and her children. And he convinced us that she, hers is one of the stories that we ought to tell. Martin, tell us what your background is and how you got involved in this. I had a theater background as an actor and uh, started developing the skills to direct theater here in Richmond. And in between shows, started picking up a camera and uh, started telling stories with my camera and found that 
I had this strong passion for filmmaking and um, ended up doing music videos and short films and weddings to pay the bills. And I know one of the ones you did was the one on live art with Spark. Yeah, I did a uh, live art, a story called From the Wings, a live art story. Footnote. Spark is Richmond's prominent theater training program for young people, and Live Arts is a yearly show for students with and without disabilities. And I think that's how David found me. I think David came to the premiere many, many moons ago, and apparently something he saw on the screen stuck with him because he remembered my name. And uh, when he and Bell Tower were considering to do a documentary of stories coming out of public housing, and we had a meeting, and David said, you know, would you want to direct possibly direct this film so i eventually said yes and and the result of and that film was heard was called heard yeah right right footnote heard is an emmy winning documentary from bell tower pictures it features the inspiring stories of four people who grew up in the projects and how they're thriving now and so from there i knew i didn't want to get too far away from david powers because uh, <laughs> uh, he's a fun man to be around and his heart is uh, bigger than this city and the result was Anahita for sure. Right. Man, you talk about staying close to him. Y'all had to shoot in Minnesota and it looked awfully chilly out there. There was snow and everything <laughs> else. How was that? How was adapting to that? That was fun. Um, honestly, it really was. But the, what's funny is that when Jawad uh, first told us the story of, of Anahita, you know, David and I, and I were thinking Virginia. But he, he, he left out the whole the part about Minneapolis. <laughs> oh, that part. He was yeah. sold on the story. <laughs> and then when he said Minneapolis, I remember David and I looking at each other like, okay, so how, all right, how are we going to make this work? You know, uh, that's a different budget issue, too. It obviously. was a huge budget issue to the point that uh, Jawad and myself went out for the first time and filmed with Anahita, I think, for about six or seven days. At one point, we had eight inches of snow. And so that was that was a challenge. Uh, but sure. she and her kids welcome us. Uh, and that was because of the relationship she had um, had with Jawad. Surprise guest drop in. And it's Matt Lively. Hello, Matt. Welcome back. Hi. How are you, Jerry? <laughs> hey, Matt. Oh, Matt. Footnote. Matt Lively is a local artist known for his whimsical paintings and murals. So, Matt, why are you on this call? Well, I was asked to do drawings for some animated parts of the documentary where there weren't good photos and they saw a movie that i worked with with you the dirt woman documentary right? and they liked that style of drawing and then we changed the style somewhat to fit this more serious subject matter so martin how was that process working with matt on this i know obviously as he just mentioned we had that idea i was actually at a movie one night and uh, was complaining about i didn't have some b-roll for a shot and he said well, why not draw something and of course he ended up doing a dozen of them and then he got involved with y'all. And as I recall, he got more and more involved with y'all, right, Martin? He did, very much so. As you probably are full aware that trying to license broadcast footage of a worldly event that happened that everybody knows of, um, it gets costly. But not only that, it's not as intimate as personal photos or personal videos. And so we David and I were thinking about, you know, how can we find that, manage the budget, and then also create something in a way that 
makes Anahita's story and the visuals more intimate to her specific stories and details. And so David uh, mentioned uh, your own Dirt Woman, and I had seen it previously. And, um, and I was like, yeah, let's have a conversation. And it was challenging for me because I had never worked with an illustrator, and artist for the purpose of film. And so as a visual guy, I'm like, oh, let's do this detail. Let's have this. And I think I, the first list of pictures that I had were maybe like 50 plus. And I realized pretty quickly, we can't do that. And so working with Matt, he, he had me thinking more as far as like the texture of what chaos looks like and, and getting through a crowd and, and how one image could carry a, a good bit of the film. And, and if we can use movements with the different layering of the illustrations, it can go a long way. And it did, it, it just, it adds a certain intimacy that we would not have been able to achieve with broadcast footage and just took the documentary to a, a level I don't think David and I saw that we could get to. So Matt, what was the biggest challenge for you working on this? At the beginning, it was just getting the locations accurate and the tools accurate. You know, there were rifles in some of them and I didn't, I drew the wrong rifle uh, a couple of times, I think. And it wasn't just any airport. It was that specific airport. So I had to find uh, uh, right. images of that. And then the um, the timeline was such that I was doing it every day. And the vicarious trauma of hearing the, the stories and sort of really trying to dive into it to make a fair image to what was happening over there this sent me into this bit of a depression over the summer. When I finished, I would just kind of mope around the house and... Uh, the unfortunate part is you probably didn't see the whole documentary because the second half, which doesn't have your illustrations in it because she's in America, is the upbeat, positive side of it. Oh, yeah, so I've seen it. it it's, it's, it's good. I didn't just turn it off after the drawings were up. <laughs> so, Dave, how was that? Were you involved in the process or did you just let Martin and Matt work? I, was, I was involved in the process uh, as well. You know, when, when you're working with creative geniuses as Martin and Matt, are it's it's often fun to just sit back and see what bubbles up and say yeah go for it and try to be a cheerleader and that's that's a lot of what i did now you mentioned something i think martin it was you that mentioned something about the chaos and i thought that was interesting i wanted to ask matt before we let him go stylistically it's different from dirt woman in that you did that with tar and they were kind of well they were they were gestural, I guess you could say. And these were more, a little bit abstract. There was imagery in it, but sometimes like when it was the crowd at the airport, it was more just kind of, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. What do you, how would you put that into words? Well, that's Matt? how I would describe it because, you know, when you're drawing a crowd, when you're drawing smoke and you're drawing, drawing these things that are happening, you know, tear gas containers flying and stuff, it's hard to capture it all in one image. So I did the three-dimensional layers so that the more layers that I had that were semi-transparent, we could stack them on top of one another and make them as chaotic as we wanted to, or, you know, take a layer off to make it less chaotic. You know, it was, it was like 30 drawings, but I did probably a hundred drawings because of all the, all the different layers. Jerry, wow. can I, can I add something there? Uh, sure. It, it was interesting because after we had the first conversation with Matt, this is before he gave us the green light that he was on board. And, you know, he, he kind of talked a little bit about his process and everything. And then after he said, sure, I'm going to do this and I'll dive in it. He sent us kind of some, some samples of what he's thinking and the look and 
um, and we we're like, whoa, this is this is incredible. It was really neat to collaborate with an artist such as Matt to in, in him to relay like his thought process of discover uh, discovery, and and it was just it was just. I don't know. After that moment, I was like, Matt, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was awesome. It was, it was neat to kind of see how he works and, uh, and it, and it really shows on, on this film. Well, well, that's true. It does. It's it, they're very powerful and it, it makes an interesting addition to the whole process and as a stylistic element, which makes it even kind of, elevates it to art a little bit too so matt i want to thank you for dropping in to say hello to your friends and to thanks me thanks for having me and i just wanted to say that uh, david and martin were great to work with as far as all the movies that i've worked on uh the, the- uh, uh, wait a minute wait a minute <laughs> careful territory now <laughs> go ahead matt finish your sentence yeah, it was uh, it was uh, a great experience working with dave and uh, martin Oh, I thought you were going to get superlative and say they were the best team you've ever worked well, with. Or something. I was going to say that until I remembered <laughs> that. But I did. I'd edit it out anyway, so it wouldn't matter. All right, Matt. Thank you so much. Right. Good to see you. Bye, y'all. See you, Matt. Yeah. You had just talked about Jawad, and I wanted to ask you, I'm assuming he was your translator doing this process. I've done one or two projects where I had to have somebody speaking Spanish because I didn't understand it, and we had to interview that way. And then, of course, the challenge is not only do you have to interview, then you've got to edit it that way, so you've got to have that translation. So what was that process like for you, Martin, and how complicated was it? Oh, it's the most complicated thing I've ever done as far as film is concerned. We got very lucky with Jawad. You know, one because of who he is as a person and his heart. And then two, he has a very acute sense of, of storytelling with documentary because he, he actually majored in documentary filmmaking at Wake Forest and he's done uh, several short films as well. So I had this instant trust uh, with him. And so when we went, I worked out the questions for him and gave them to him. But I also said, man, just in the moment, just go with it. You know, if, if she says something that, that is, is intriguing to you, just feel free to continue that conversation. So let me just interrupt real quickly. So you were behind the camera and he was actually doing yeah, the interview. Yeah, I was so behind was... the camera, which normally I okay. do the interviews. Exactly. That's what I want yeah. to make sure. Yeah. I told him, I said, normally I would want you to ask the question, let her respond, and then you tell me what she right. just said. So I get a good sense of what is being told. And I, and I wanted her to be as comfortable as possible. And I said, and I felt like if we did that, it would just break up the rhythm of her sure. storytelling. Yeah. So I said, just go for it. And overall, there were things that were, were said and, and were discovered that we hadn't even thought of. And because of that comfortability that she had with Jawad. But then there was a couple of stories that needed more developing, which led to us to come back a second time. But as far as the editing is concerned, Jawad, he would take each sentence and put a time code stamp on the beginning and the end. Um, and so I would have to build the scene up. Uh, and go through this painstaking time to create a scene that I think we're going to use. And it took an hour or so. And then I realized, oh, this is, I don't even need this scene. And I would end up cutting it. How many hours total interview did you do with her? Um, do you know? With her specifically sitting down, um, there was a lot of stuff that were in the moment. But I think we All had right. about six hours of interview okay, wow. uh, with her. Um, and then stuff that was more kind of in the moment, I would say probably about two hours worth of that, too. Uh, and so the, the editing process probably, I don't know if it was double the length of time that we projected, but it was close. It was a long, a long process. I'm sure it was. That was a lot of work. 
Martin, what would you say the biggest surprise was you got out of this, either whether it was Anahita's story or just in the whole process of making the documentary? Uh, the biggest surprise is that David wanted to work with me again. That was that was, <laughs> that was um, a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, the biggest surprise was how welcoming she was. Um, after the first couple of days of shooting in her home um, and with her kids, I kept hearing uh, Anahita say uh, Martin John, and the kids would refer to me as Martin John, and I, I didn't know what Martin John, you know, was, and so I, I leaned over to Jawad and I said, "Hey, Jawad," and he and he just smiled and he looked at me and he said, um, "He said it means uncle or aunt, whether you're male or female," right. and he says that is their way of showing how much they care for you and, and how much they are, are appreciate you being here. And it's just wow. a sign of being comfortable. Um, and that, that blew me away. So are either one of you still in touch with Anahita? Well, we still have a language issue, so we're not able to be directly in touch with her and speak with her. Uh, but she's picking up a little bit of English, as I she, saw near the end. She's picking it up, I understand. But uh, Jawad is in touch with her. And, and we are, in fact, doing premiere of the film here in, in Richmond on April 23rd. But we're doing a screening, working with uh, the Twin Cities Public Television folks and a nonprofit that helps uh, refugees in the Minneapolis area. So we're doing a screening there in Minneapolis in June and uh, Anahita will be there. And it won't be snowing. So that's good. Well, that's what we kept, you know, we, we're, <laughs> we're both anxious to see Minneapolis in the summertime. That's what they kept telling us every time we were there. You need to come back right. in the summertime. We're excited to see Minneapolis in the summertime. <laughs> great, great. Uh, you got it on the PBS. Are, are there any other plans for distribution? Well, PBS is the primary thing. We're working through American Public Television and they have placed it uh, out and we've got a coverage report and we're, we're in, um, I think it's 86% of the television you know, of the United States, all of the top 25 markets. And Great. so it's, it's being scheduled. It will air here in central Virginia on BPM on May the 11th at 9 p.m., just before Mother's Day. You know, we've encouraged the public stations to schedule it around uh, World Refugee Day, which is in June. And that's right after we do the screening in Minneapolis. And then we're looking at some other things, uh, perhaps some screenings and perhaps uh, some, uh, you know, connections with other refugee service organizations around the country, making it available for them to use. Right, right. And immigrants, refugees are not universally welcomed with open arms. I think it's the right. best way to put that. And I think I right. have never personally, and I'm sure none of the three of us have felt that way, but I think this even opened my eyes a little more to the incredible challenges that people face coming here, leaving their home, sometimes as Anahita did with nothing on their back but their clothes, and, and having to learn the language, having to make their way in, in this culture. And so... I hope that people will look at this and say, wow, I really didn't have any idea what folks have to go through uh, to resettle. Good point. Good point. One of the reasons why, probably the main reason why I love doing documentary work is to connect with other human beings in, in, in a very personal way, like sitting down with somebody for them to tell you their story. It takes a lot of trust. And it also, every single time I walk away feeling like I'm a better human being because I learned something, I connected with somebody. That feeling that I have, I want that to translate 
when someone's watching our films. Uh, because once you can connect on a human level, it's hard to dismiss, you know? And, I, and for me, uh, I didn't so much on this story want to focus so much on, uh, you know, making a case, you know, why we need to have our arms open for uh, people that are, are coming into this country. I just hope you feel that. And, and I hope you feel that this is a story about a mother and what she had to do to protect her children. And I feel like if we can focus on that part of this story, I think you lose a sense of like all the politics, all of the, the media coverage or whatever, what happened. It's just like, no, this is a mother protecting her children and bringing right. them to a country in hopes to have one, a better life, but just like a life of, of, of I don't, I don't want to say abundance, but an abundance of joy and goodness that she would not have had if she and her children stayed in Kabul. I think that will come through clearly and powerfully. Good. Last question I like to ask everybody is when you're not working, what are you watching? What do you like to binge on or what are you watching on TV or what movies go to lately? I watch Dirt Woman every night. I <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so other than that, what do y'all do when you've got time to just chill? My wife and I just finished binge watching a, a series. I think it's on Netflix called Transatlantic. I saw that that's getting posted right now. How was it? Was it was great. And, and I didn't know going into it how similar it was going to be to the issues that we dealt with in Anahita. But it's very it's not documentary. It's it's narrative. But it it's, uh, deals with uh, Jews in France, uh, in Marseille, at the beginning of World War II, who were trying to escape the Nazis and some of the issues that they face. So it has a little bit of everything. It has the thriller, the spy uh, element to it. But it's a great human drama that talks about the, the challenges that Jews were facing as the Nazis were taking over. It's on my list. Martin, how about you? Oh, man, in my spare time, I'm just trying to keep up with my seven-year-old and soon-to-be six-year-old. <laughs> so that takes up a lot is of that frozen? Is that frozen on re constant repeat or <laughs> yeah, something? Yeah, right, exactly. I have, I have a circle of friends that whenever we get together, we say, okay, what documentary do you recommend? And just this past weekend, someone recommended watching Alleluia. Uh, the Leonard Cohen documentary that's on uh -huh, Netflix. Right. And so dove into that and uh, learned a lot. Of, I kind of had heard about him. I knew some of his songs, but I didn't really know. And I just love that. Whenever you can watch something and learn something on a deeper level, and it, it just, it, I don't know, it, you, you find a connection to it, uh, to, right, to the right. people or the organization or what have you. Uh, and then uh, any chance I can watch Ted Lasso, I'm, I'm a happy guy. So. There you go. Yeah, yeah. All right, gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. Anahita is a fascinating and moving documentary, and I think y'all want to congratulate you both on doing such a wonderful job. Thank you. I appreciate it. That was director Martin Montgomery and producer David Powers talking about Anahita, A Mother's Journey, a documentary about a woman who fled Afghanistan in August of 2021 with her five children. There are links to the screening at the bird and more on the webpage for this show at tvjerry.com. Coming soon. In theaters. Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Yes, the director's name is above the title in this film, starring Jake Gyllenhaal as an Afghanistan vet who returns to the war to save the life of his interpreter. Chevalier, based on the true story of a Creole composer and violinist who is celebrated in Marie Antoinette's court. Beau is Afraid. Joaquin Phoenix makes an arduous journey home to his mother in this unusual film that also stars Parker Posey, Nathan Lane, and Patti LuPone. Evil Dead Rise, the latest in the franchise which is unconnected to the previous films and takes place in LA. 
Little Richard, I Am Everything, a documentary about the rock and roll legend. How to Blow Up a Pipeline, a group of environmental activists devise a plan to make a dramatic statement about climate change. Somewhere in Queens, Ray Romano co-wrote, stars, and directs this film about a blue-collar Italian-American family. TV and streaming. Judy Bloom Forever on Amazon, a documentary about the famed author's effect on generations, featuring Molly Ringwald and Lena Dunham. Dead Ringers on Amazon, Rachel Wise portrays twins in this reworking of Cronenberg's 88 film. Mrs. Davis on Peacock, Betty Gilpin stars as a nun devoted to destroying the world's most powerful AI. Quasi on Hulu, a live-action comedy drama that revolves around the famous hunchback Quasimodo. Ghosted on Apple, Ana de Armas and Chris Evans team up for the third time in this action comedy about a man who discovers his girlfriend is a secret agent. Somebody Somewhere on HBO, Bridget Everett returns for season two of her misfit comedy. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers on Netflix takes place 30 years after their debut with a new crew and some original cast members. You know, you can subscribe to this podcast on all the usual services, or you can go to tvjerry.com, click on the podcast tab, and there's a link. Next week, just in time for warm weather, I'll have a fascinating interview with John Heidel, the founder, owner, and chief executive dreamer of the Goochland Drive-In. Tune in then, and thanks for listening. For more Sister, including literally thousands Thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.